All right, y'all, before we get to the latest episode of the Banquet Hall podcast, I just want to talk to you all a little bit about another sponsor of the pod. I have the shirt on. I have the board game in hand. That's right. We're talking about Play Black Wall Street, the board game. Uh, Play Black Wall Street has the mission of educating families on the legacy and ideals of Black Wall Street in a fun way creative and educational experiences and the best part is you can have play black wall street the board game in your own hands uh, go ahead and head to the link in the description you can use my link uh, to get 10 percent off the second edition of play black wall street the board game uh, just go to playblackwallstreet.com slash banquet hall podcast that's playblackwallstreet.com slash banquet hall podcast and once y'all get y'all skills up in the game holla at me and i'll be happy uh, to learn a little bit about black wall street with y'all now let's get to the episode. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Banquet Hall podcast. Uh, new listeners or listeners who are so stubborn you still haven't followed the podcast yet, please follow the pod at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, leave a five-star rating, like, subscribe, whatever you can do to support the podcast. Uh, also, make sure that you take time right now, hit pause, tell a friend to also hop on a podcast and give it a listen, and we're ready to get a show started. Uh, I'm blessed to be joined with another member of the UCSD Trident family, the one, the only, Irene. Irene, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Of course, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, Irene is joining us from the not-so-cold state of Arizona, uh, blazing in this summer heat, so uh, hopefully you're able to stay cool throughout this podcast episode, and uh, we bring the heat through our words, so we'll, we'll do it that way. <laughs> I am not going outside. <laughs> yeah, if I would have started this podcast interview and you were standing outside in 100 plus degree weather, I, I would have concerns. Right. <laughs> No, literally the fan's been running the whole day. The AC is always on. So my electric bill, honestly, is probably going to be a lot, but I don't even care. So and that's what it's like over summer. I mean, I live in San Diego and even here, like it's been hotter than it typically would be over summer. And I feel like summer is a period where I'm like, you know what? I don't even care what the electricity bill says. I'm <laughs> staying cool. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm telling you. <laughs> Uh, but I always like to start this podcast with asking where folks are from and where what they kind of took away from where they grew up. So uh, why don't you share with our listeners, where are you from originally? Yeah, so I am from Escondido, California. So some people, they're like, controver- they're like, this is a controversial topic because I'm from San Diego. So <laughs> Escondido, <laughs> it's in North County, San Diego. But I did grow up there. So I was born in San Diego City. And then when I was eight, I moved up to Escondido. Um, but that is just honestly where my family resides still to this day. So my parents are immigrants, actually. And like when they moved here, they moved right to San Diego. So I think it's cool that we've like stayed in the same area since all these years of my life. So it's just until like two years ago is when I actually moved to Arizona. But yeah, home is San Diego. So Escondido, I do represent. So <laughs> Hey, you're the only person on this podcast right now. So if you want to claim Escondido as just being from San Diego, then that's what it is. I mean, it's San Diego County at the end of the day. So I can- I'm saying yes. And people are like, no, that's not that's not right. And I was like, well, nobody knows what Escondido is. So I'm gonna say I'm from San Diego. And out here it's been serving you all. So that's what <laughs> 
I, I feel like I understand both sides to it, though, because I definitely being from the city of Los Angeles and people will claim whatever like city is remotely close to L.A. County as L.A. So I understand some of it. But at the same time, we don't want to erase uh, your right. San Diego heritage. Exactly. I was like, we need exposure, too. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you're putting Escondido on a map and that's what matters. Where did your uh, where'd your family immigrate from? So they're from the Democratic Republic of Congo. So it's like the country right in the center, right in the heart of Africa. Um, so they're from like their eastern side. But yeah, they immigrated like obviously before I was born. So it's been a while. So they've been here for, I don't know, like almost 30 years upcoming. So because I'm 26. So <laughs> yeah, but that's where they're from. And it's been really cool to kind of just, I feel like have that same level of understanding of like being Congolese but also being American so I'm like in a blended culture because of that so and have you ever been I actually have yeah so when I was 10 years old I went with my mom um it was my first time going and I've always been like I want to go to Congo I want to go to Congo you know just to kind of see like where my family's from so I was pretty young but I still remember like a lot of my experience so I went there and so they're from like so Kinshasa is the capital but that's like the opposite side so it was cool because we got to fly in for, to Burundi which is like a small country right next to Congo so I got to go there and then we drove the border like across the border and then we went to um, Kiliba like that's where my family's from so I was there for one month and oh, wow. yeah so it was an experience I feel like if I was there for longer I would have like picked up the language more which <laughs> would have been really cool because then I would have been coming back fluent but here I am. <laughs> but, um, all my family lives there, actually. So it was super cool. Like I met my grandparents for the first time, met all my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. And it was just such a celebration of joy. Like I was like, nobody even knew who I was. I mean, they knew I was like my mom's daughter. But like after that, I just felt so much love and it was just amazing. So I haven't been back as an adult, but I would love to go back one day. I think I think that would be amazing for you to go back as an adult too. I think especially after having gone through like the college experience in America, learning a lot about like American like black culture, learning about like other African cultures as well. Um, but just hearing you talk about like meeting your grandparents for the first time, like I can't imagine like what that might be like because I think we take for granted like proximity to some of our elders and our families. And I just can't even imagine what that would be like if I went like several years of my life without meeting my grandparents do you remember what that moment was like for you like I know you said you felt a lot of love but do you remember yeah. that moment I do so I specifically remember meeting my grandma from my mom's side so my mom's mom so we came up there and we were like in this you know just a car like just driving and I think I was with my uncle one of my uncles so my mom's like older brother and we got there and I remember like my mom seeing all her like siblings and family members for the first time, like they were like, you know, like just sh like sh uh, shouting and with like so much joy. So they were like, and stuff. <laughs> and then they started like slapping her in the back. And I was like, why are they slapping her in the back? What's going on here? But that was just like their way to show how excited they were. And they were like trying to pick each other up. And like my mom's crying, everybody's crying. And then I saw my grandma and at the time my grandma, you know, she's older and, you know, her health is not like as great as it can be. So she has like cumbersome knees and stuff, but she came from the house and like, it took her some time to kind of walk down the stairs, but she literally lifted me up 
and like carried me to the house and everybody's like no put her down like you know you're, you're kind of fragile but it was she was just so happy to see me Aww. and it was just like that was just like the first memory like of my grandma that I've ever had and it was just such a beautiful moment and I also remember seeing her I was like this is my mom like she looks exactly <laughs> like my mom except she's just older <laughs> so I was like mom like I didn't really realize grandma looks exactly like you like that's your twin <laughs> so it was just so beautiful like everybody's just dancing and you know trying to give us like like for chickens is like really common to like give a chicken or go even so mm-hmm. or just like some simple gifts like soda or like some cash so everybody was it just felt like a party you know and it was just like I don't know coming to America but like coming to like Uvita <laughs> like that's kind of what it was <laughs> <laughs> so it was really nice and then on my dad's side like we went to go to his village so I think it was like maybe like a week after or something because they are a little bit far apart but I just remember going to meet my grandparents on my dad's side for the first time and it was so beautiful like the same thing like just a lot of love a lot of crying a lot of yelling they were singing and like it was just so beautiful and like I sat like in the middle between like my grandparents and you know there was a language barrier because I'm not fluent in my parents like native tongue but no, it's still like, I can tell that they're saying good things to me and like really uplifting things. And sometimes my mom would like translate, but I also didn't want to like burden her with doing that. Yeah. You know, she's like, I'm not here for you. I'm here for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a beautiful moment, honestly. So yeah, it was just so amazing. And I was like, this is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, but that was like the only time I've seen my grandparents in real life. So yeah. Wow. Wow, that was a very heartwarming story. Thank you for sharing that with me as well as our listeners. I think that uh, just hearing about the different cultures across the continent of Africa and uh, just what these little moments can mean for a family and for a heritage, because as you well know, and most of our listeners know, I think too often when the media or society talks about Africa, it's just like, oh, Africa. And it's just like (laughs) this very monolithic (laughs) Africa. Um, So I think whenever we have an opportunity to have guests on the podcast who have roots in the continent or have direct roots in the continent or have family still living there, I think it's so powerful just to be able to hear those stories. So uh, thank you for sharing a little bit about your family story with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for asking. I know I feel like I haven't thought like so much about it in a long time or thought really hard about it. So I know I remember like writing about like my personal, I think it was my personal statement for coming into college or grad school, one of those, but I was just talking about, you know, like my grandma and just kind of the inspiration and stuff, but I haven't retold the story since, so. Mm -hmm. Awesome, well, I'm happy you chose this podcast to tell that story, and uh, speaking of college, I wanted to give the listeners a little bit about how we crossed paths. Uh, Obviously, I already kind of spoiled it that you went to UC San Diego, Um, but do you remember when we first crossed paths or what that first impression was like? I do like saliently so (laughs) I remember I think I was senior in high school so I did the overnight program and like the BSU overnight it was I think it was two days three days I can't remember but a couple days days, two nights there you go thank you exactly (laughs) I was like I feel like two days like was a little too short but it wasn't there for so long but I remember doing the overnight program so you know BSU 
or the BRC like teaming up, they are able to just gather black students from like San Diego area and other parts just to kind of showcase the school. So I remember you being involved. I don't know exactly what your title was, if you're just like a volunteer or whatnot, but, but you were just so nice. Like you're talking to everybody because I was super nervous. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to the school. I'm not gonna have any friends. Like, who are these people? But you were just very kind and like forthcoming and really just trying to get to know like who I was and like all these other students. And I think I remember we took a photo like on library or no price center, like stairs or stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, you're like gathering people to come take a photo and everything. I was like, all right, Kyler, I'll do so. But <laughs> That was like my first interaction with you. So just like the overnight program. And I was like, well, if there's a lot of friendly faces like this, I think I could do this school. And then I remember coming back because I did end up choosing UCSD. Yeah. And you were still there. And I was like, wow. Like, <laughs> And I think around this time, you might have worked for the BRC because I was in my, it was my first year. So I don't know if you were already working for the BRC or just mm -hmm. like having involved, but I think you're like asking, like, am I going to come through to like the BSU meeting and just all these black events coming through? So I was like, I mean, I guess like I know who you are. So it's not going to be super, super awkward, hopefully. And you weren't a stranger. So I really appreciated that because you could have just been like, no, nah, like, I don't remember her. But uh, that was my first interaction. So just kind of like your face was like constantly there like when it came to like just events going on, like the black community when I was first matriculating to UCSD. Mm -hmm. Wow. You have a good memory. Um, <laughs> You're like, it's crazy because I feel like that's a story that I hear from a number of different people uh, who went to UC San Diego. Um, I feel like a lot of them, ooh, hold on a second, my microphone changed. Uh, it's all good. Um, but I feel like a lot of people at UCSD, especially those that went to the overnight program, when I talk to them about like, oh, like when did we first cross paths? A lot of them are like, oh yeah, you were so friendly at overnight. I'm like, was I really that friendly? Like, I don't know. I feel like in the moment, I just see it as like, oh, I'm doing this job. Like the, the mission is to make these students feel welcome to get them to choose UCSD. So I, I guess I was doing a good job. So I appreciate that affirmation. I was between UCSD and another school and like UCSD's overnight was the first one that I did. And I went to this other school's overnight program in LA. It was called like Multicultural Night or something. I don't even know. But I was like, eh, red flag statement. <laughs> and literally, like, I'm not going to name this, of course, but yeah. it was a small liberal arts school in LA. And the only reason why I was considering that school was because they offered me a really, really nice financial aid packet. Like, I would have been like pretty much debt free. Mm. So I was like, that's very enticing. But like the overnight program, was not very diverse at all like they had geographic diversity which you know to each their own in terms of that but I was like where are the black people you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> and then like it was not a good experience overall I felt very out of my comfort zone but when I went to the overnight program at UCSD I was like the black people you know we're two percent but I was like if I am gonna come here at least I know there's like a solid group of black people that I can rely on even if we are like a super small minority so so those are the two schools I was choosing. And then UCSD, you did your job because I came. So <laughs> UCSD, I'll take my check in the mail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that just hearing those stories is always affirming because 
I, I think a lot of the guests on this podcast have talked about the community aspect of UCSD and just what that has meant for their college experience. And like you mentioned, at the time you went, it was around 2%. And now UCSD is just over, I think, around 3% Black. And it's like, it's still such a small number, but I think for those of us who were there when it was under 2%, it's like, damn, like y'all at three, that's crazy. Right, it, it multiplied by two. <laughs> yeah, like it's just seeing the communal aspect is just phenomenal. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what community you did find at UCSD and kind of that UCSD experience? What was that like for you? Yeah, so I feel like I found like multiple communities, which I'm really thankful for because every community really helped like shape me to who I am today. And I'll say like, you know, UCSD has its its qualms, of course, but like I will say I am happy I went there because of the communities that I did find. So when I first got there, you know, I was already familiar with the Black community through overnight programs. So, you know, being a part of like BSU, um, going to the BRC, just like knowing that there's Black students around, I was really able to just get into that community. But then when I was in, it was my first year. So like the summer before my first year, I did the summer bridge program. So basically it's like, a, I think it was five weeks when I did it or whatnot. So, you know, transition program for like underrepresented um, students to like get classes, but also just build like, you know, on their personal identity, professional identity, all the fun stuff. So I, I think you were actually in ATC, Mike, I think. What year did you do bridge? Uh, 2015. Yeah, I was ATC then. Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was like, oh, you're back. <laughs> so yeah, so I was like, Kyler's everywhere. So at least I have a friend there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did summer bridge. And honestly, it was like one of the best experiences for me just to kind of like not maybe not the academic side like in terms of one of the classes was super eye-opening the other one I was like whatever but um <laughs> but just in terms of just like my suite and like coming into who I am and just being exposed to so many different people so many different stories like I feel like I was kind of in a bubble when I was growing up so then here I was like wow people just go through so many things but like look at them now look they're here and they're just gonna overcome so much and they're gonna make a change in the world so it's just very inspiring so I really appreciated like my summer bridge community. And then I was able to like uh, be involved, I think up until I graduated. So that was another community that I found. And then my ASA, which was the African Student Association, I was like heavily involved in that. So that was super pivotal for me, like my first year through until I graduated as well. Because I think I was more involved actually with ASA than I was the BSU my first year just because I really felt like that's where I was most comfortable, you know, so I had a lot of people who I met that were also like me, like first generation American, they, you know, they are kind of in this like middle stage of like, you know, I'm not so much this, I'm not so much this, I'm a blend of the two. So I met a lot of different like students who identified as African in like different parts and stuff. And it was just so cool to just be around them. So I really cherished that community as well. So I'd say like those are like my three main communities that I was a part of. Um, and then, you know, like, I mean, my major wasn't really community. Like, <laughs> I, like I liked my major. I thought it was cool and the people were super supportive, but I don't really think I was like going to them like that. But, but yeah. And what major did you major in at UCSD? Uh, human development. I think now it's called like human developmental sciences. Mm -hmm. 
yeah so hds now but i majored in that and then i minored in education studies so i actually came though as a psychology major because i was like oh, i don't really know what i want to do because i wanted to be a pediatrician like growing up and stuff but then i found like occupational therapy senior year i was like i'm gonna go for it so then i felt like psychology was you know more complimentary than like bio and I was like what am I gonna do with a bio degree for me you know that's a knock it but for me personally I was like what am I gonna do with a bio degree so. and I think I think that's so interesting to hear because I feel like stereotypically you hear people like oh what are you gonna do with a human development degree or what are you gonna do with a psychology degree but to hear you say like what are you gonna do with a biology degree and you choosing something that you are more interested in. I think that's very powerful. And human development is probably like one of the main pillars of my UCSD experience because I took HDP1, Intro to Human Development. And mm -hmm. I just fell in love with the concept of learning about like how humans developed. I just, I never even thought that you could study something like that, like how we develop, what types of things like affect our growth. And that's how I ended up in cognitive science. So that's really cool that uh, human development was that calling for you. Yeah, no, that's cool that you also have exposure to that class, because I feel like a lot of different majors took that class, too, because I wasn't with just human development majors. I think I was with, I mean, I don't know if it classified for psychology, I can't remember, but there's a couple majors, too, that were taking that. So that's cool that there is an overlap as well. I really liked it. And I was like, yeah, I chose a good one. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And as you mentioned, uh, senior year, uh, you started getting interested in occupational therapy. Before we get into the grad program that you're currently in, uh, one of the things that I realized as I like continue to do this podcast is that this podcast has also served as a way to bridge the gap between the people in my life that went to college and are experienced with college and those who may not have as much of a background in the collegiate environment. And so I really want to be able to take the opportunity to educate people on just the different things that are out there for people to pursue. So uh, in a general sense, or at least in your own words, what is occupational therapy? Yes, this is the question that sometimes I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> no, just kidding. But um, so occupational therapy, it's a very, it's a health science, um, you know, curriculum or program, what you want to call it. So we do work like in the medical field, but it's very holistic. It's very client centered. And basically the crux of it is it's a quote that I'm going to quote. It was like, what matters most to you? And that was from like the American Occupational Therapy Association website. And I wrote about that in my personal statement. But if you look at that, we look at different aspects of occupation. So things that you need to do, things that you want to do, things that are meaningful to you, and how do we rehabilitate you or modify your environment to get you back to where you want to be so that you can be as independent and as functional as possible. So we're super diverse in the fact that you can go in different settings. So for example, I actually just finished one of my rotations in the outpatient pediatric clinic. So I was working with kiddos. A lot of them had like developmental disabilities, some had more physical disabilities, but I really help with like their occupations. So that could be, you know, like being a student. So what does it mean to be a student? You know, you need to have social skills. You need to be able to practice in self-care. So like dressing so that you are able to go ahead and, you know, like be, so like when you're going to recess, like you have like the clothes you need to wear, or we worked a lot on just like visual motor skills and um, we did a lot of handwriting, all of that stuff. So these are occupations that are important at this age for children to accomplish. But then I'm going to hospital like next month. So with that, I'll be helping people in an adult setting, you know, who might not necessarily be able to 
like go toileting or shower themselves, groom themselves, um, or even just do things that make them functional, meaningful. So as an OT, we're really there to kind of help, you know, not do it for them, but teach them how to regain the skill that they might have lost. Or if, you know, they can't regain that skill, they're able to modify their environment or just like their personhood, their occupation so that they can be as successful doing it. So it's super holistic because, you know, we don't just treat what we think, you know, the person needs, like we treat based off of what the person needs. And then we kind of come up with a plan that's collaborative so that we're, we're able to like rehabilitate them through like those daily, like therapeutic use of activity. So that's what OT is in a nutshell. Um, so yeah, you can go in any settings, like it could be community-based, more non-traditional, you can go into academia, which I'm kind of looking into more non-traditional, like later down in my line of work. Um, but right now I'm just trying to survive and graduate. So <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, of course. Uh, and thank you for that very thorough description of it, because honestly, as I was preparing for this podcast and I was thinking like, I was like, do I even know what OT is? Because I feel like I've just being around like so many different people with so many different majors, uh, working in admissions and talking to students about majors they're interested in. I've heard OT so much. And today was the first day where I'm like, wait, what? What, what am I even talking about here? So uh, thank you for that. I, I learned a lot just in you saying that. And I know our listeners will appreciate uh, just that insight as well. And I know that you mentioned just a lot of the different spaces you can get into with OT and on your website, which we'll get into a little bit later, uh, you mentioned that you're passionate about transforming the healthcare system in a way that promotes diversity, equity, and inclusion for marginalized populations. So obviously you're still in the midst of your grad program, but why don't you talk a little bit about why you chose this grad program and what you're hoping to gain out of it? Yeah, that's a good question. So actually, so the school that I go to is in Mesa, Arizona. And when I was first applying, just in general, like looking at schools, I actually came across this school from UCSD. So we have, I think at UCSD every year, they did like the health sciences fair. Um, so, you know, from all these different programs come out, like students are, who are their interests, like what, what are they interested in essentially? So um, I saw a representative and she was a black lady. So I was like, who is she? Like I had to like go up to her and she was from my school. And my school has like multiple campuses now that they're developing. So I think she was from the other campus because I've never seen her here, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. But she was so nice. She was super cool, super chill. And I think what stood out like was that their mission was really to work with like underserved communities, whole person care, very holistic, because it is like an osteopathic med- medical school. And then we have other health professions that like align with that mission. And then um, again, just looking at, you know, opportunities to be working with other professions. So it's very interdisciplinary too, because in the healthcare system, we're going to be working with so many different professions and we need to work as a team to help our clients as much as we can. So that's, that really stood out to me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to apply here. So I was in Arizona. I was like, I don't know anything about Arizona. I just know it's really hot, but it's only a couple of years. How hot can it really be? And it is really hot, but I'm not going to let that deter me from getting my education. (laughs) So I chose this school because of like the mission statement and just like the interactions that I had with that particular uh, representative at the time. So it's been a pretty cool process. I will say school is really hard. Like it's <laughs> hard because I don't even know if it's the content that's hard. Like I had anatomy, neuro, like those classes were insane. But everything else I feel like is manageable, but it's hard because of all of the information you need to know at one time mm. and you need to study it. And time management is like 
so hard. So, and it's really easy to get burnt out if you're not taking care of yourself, which I know I was burnt out so many times throughout the program. I think now I'm a little bit less burnt out because I've had like a break and my schedule this time around, it's a little bit more chill. It's more independent, but that's kind of why like I chose this school because of the opportunities that I felt that I could really advance like what I want to do to like transform healthcare. And if the mission statement aligns with that, and I can see that reflected through like the staff, the classes, all of that, um, then I'm like, okay, I'm like setting myself up for success professionally and personally too. So hope that answered your question. I don't know if there is another part of that, but. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate that answer too, because I think when people talk about why they're doing what they're doing, I think that just hearing people talk about their why can be really impactful for a lot of people. I think especially any listeners who might be uh, thinking about doing a grad program or something further down the line, because so often we talk about going to grad school or going to further education. And a lot of the like questions end up being like, why should I, or how do I know when a program is right for me? So I think just hearing you talk through that process is very important. And I also want to really highlight the importance of representation of that too, because if a Black person wasn't at that career fair or uh, wasn't able to be a visible person in the space for you, who knows if you might have chosen a school or not, and uh, just another pillar of representation being important. Mm -hmm. No, that's so true. And I mean, like, I'm going to just be honest, my program is not diverse, like, as much as I thought it would be. But you know, I think that they are working to be more diverse. Um, and I have been seeing more black faces, and even represented, especially in faculty. And I think that's really powerful. And that shows itself there. So I'm like, continuing to do that is going to be so important so that prospective students can come to ATs for well, it's still the school I go to. So, <laughs> but yeah, so they can come there and they're just like, oh my gosh, like, wow, there's another black figure. Like I can do this, you know, especially in OT, like I think we're about 5% of the population, black people. So it's so, so small, you know? And then that's not even to account for like gender differences or just like where, you know, the person is socioeconomically, all of that stuff. So the different intersections of identities, so I'm just like, I want to be in this field, you know, obviously to help people. But like, I also feel like I'm a representative of this field, too. And it's a double edged sword because we didn't ask for this. But like, we inherently we are in this position to almost pave the way for other people that look like us so they can feel comfortable being in this space. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into your blog, I wanted to give us some space to be able to talk about uh, some of your passions and interests and hobbies. And so uh, starting with photography, uh, on your website, you claim that you are an amateur photographer. Uh, I went ahead and looked at your some of your photos. I would say this goes a little bit beyond amateur. I would say you, you're, you're a photographer. We don't have to we don't have to put the amateur <laughs> on it. But uh, what has photography given you or what do you take from like being able to take pictures of people? Yeah, so actually, I really into photography, like 2016 is when I bought my camera. So I have a cute Canon camera, T6i, shout out. <laughs> um, but I wanted to just take pictures, you know, of people of just record like my environment and everything that I'm doing in college. So and also I love photos like I love when people take pictures of me and, you know, I post on Instagram. I'm trying to be more frequent on posting on Instagram because before I feel like I was on top of it and then I kind of fell off because of school. Um, but it's been a way that I can just kind of express myself creatively. So especially like portraits of people, like I'm not really like 
been to taking pictures of plants or <laughs> really mountains <laughs> or anything like that. I don't have the same like, I don't know, desire to capture that. But with people, I love their facial expressions. I just love like what the emotions that they can convey and like what story they're telling through their faces or through like their body positions or the way that they pose, what they're looking at, all of that. So I'm going to be honest, I really did fall off. Like I was hidden hard, like during the pandemic, like I was, I had Photoshop on my laptop and I was out here scheduling photo shoots and I was actually getting paid. People were paying me. I photographed a wedding, which was really fun. And now I look back, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I had this other equipment. But, you know, it was a small wedding and they knew that I was an amateur. <laughs> so it worked out, but I've been able to build a portfolio. I like see what my is at website. Um, but since I started grad school, I have not picked up my camera that much. So it is something that I hope to get back into because I really was, again, able to just capture like people's stories and like their voices. But through a visual expression that I feel like sometimes we can't necessarily tell what they're thinking or what like they're going through through that so I miss photography I really love it and I've always been into it um but I just haven't been practicing so that's why amateur will stay there because <laughs> I had not developed my skill but I was literally especially like during the pandemic I was on YouTube like googling like all these different things and like different lenses to like buy different cameras so I'd like to elevate my camera maybe get a film camera I think mm. if I get this then it'll force me to like use it more so that's my that's my rationale right now <laughs> but yeah we're gonna uh we're gonna manifest that once grad school is over and you have just more capacity to like develop your interest and return to some of those passions that you'll get right back to it I think that grad school can't be understated how difficult it can be and I think we owe ourselves as much grace as possible when we're not able to do the things that we typically were doing. Like when I was in grad school, uh, there's a lot of things that I was like, dang, like I haven't done this in a while. And it's just because grad school takes us so much mental capacity. So uh, we're going to manifest that once grad school is over, you're going to get that camera that you want and get right back to it. Yes. Thank you. I am going to manifest that. I'm going to put that on my grad present. Buy me this camera. <laughs> hey, got to ask for what we want for sure. Um, another one of your hobbies and interests that you have on your website is traveling. And so my question with regards to traveling, uh, one is where's somewhere that you really want to travel to, or, and as well as what are some travel stories or some interesting places that you've been that you really enjoyed? Yeah. So in terms of wanting to travel, honestly, I'm just kind of down to go everywhere. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> I would love ideally like in a perfect world to like take a year off and just like go travel the world mm. so for like every continent I think Thailand would be amazing I think it'd be cool just to go to other places um in Africa that I wasn't able to go to um literally everywhere I want to go to Namibia I think that would be really cool I saw like a documentary and it looks beautiful so I'm trying to go there one day so hopefully if I have some money maybe I'll use my loan money to like treat myself when I graduate to just go not for a year but like I don't know a couple weeks or whatnot just to a place that I've been wanting to go so um but in terms of traveling like my experiences I have so I went to Ghana so that's like my most salient I think travel experience as an adult and people know me they know <laughs> we had this card one time we we're playing a game and they're like choose a friend that always talks about studying abroad and their experience abroad and I was that friend and I was like I'm sorry but it was great like <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so transformative. So I went to Ghana fall 2018. So it was my last semester of UCSD. And then I came back and I was done with school. So it was super nice to just kind of finish it off like that. Um, but I was there for four months and it was literally like one of the best times of my entire life because I learned so much about myself, just like who I am as a black person in like a different community and different environment, but also who I am, you know, being African as well, having those roots. And then also so much about like Ghanaian culture. Um, I met so many friends from Ghana that I still have today that I keep up with, which is super nice. And I just feel like it's a different community that I will always have such a bond with, no matter like how far we are, no matter how long we don't talk. Um, so it was just beautiful. Like we did so many cool things and I was able to do a lot of like travels and excursions within that region, going to different parts of Ghana, also doing an internship there and working with people with disabilities. So that also kind of inspired like why I want to be an OT even more. Um, so that was a really cool experience. And then I went to Cabo, Mexico, like months before the pandemic. So I'm glad I got to travel one more time, but <laughs> no, I was just like on the beach. We went for 10 days. So it was me and my study abroad friends. And it's cool because again, now we're travel buddies. So I was like, okay, like I know how you work in a different setting. So I trust you with my travel. <laughs> so we were there for 10 days and, you know, Cabo was kind of expensive, but we were on a dollar for sure, but we made it work and it was so fun, like very relaxing. And I spent like New Year's there. So, you know, just super fun. Like everybody was there partying it up and all of that, going to the beach, also getting to like explore the culture a little bit more. And then um, I went to Togo as well. So when I was in Ghana, it's a country right next to uh, Ghana. So we went there for like, I think it was like three days or something, but it was super cool too, because like it was French speaking. So Ghana is mm -hmm. English with all the languages that they have but you cross the border and it's completely French but then there's like a tribe that is the same so they could speak the same language if they're like really close to the border so it's just cool to see like the culture like how how beautiful how many languages are represented and how you can connect with other people even if they're not from the same country but they're from the same tribe so I went there um and yeah so those are like the major I, I think countries outside of the United States I've been to but then also just like, I mean, I went to Texas last year to go visit my best friend. So that was super fun. Um, and then I went to Napa like two weeks before the pandemic, before everything shut down. So so that was cool. I went with some good friends from college as well. So just been able to kind of travel around and see see the world. So I want to keep doing that. Crown Ellen, Bay Area, a proud sponsor of the Banquet Hall podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah, seeing the world is definitely the mission. Uh, just hearing you speak about everywhere you travel makes me want to get some more stamps on my passport. Uh, I got my passport for the first, well, I got my first passport in 2019. I uh, went to Paris three months before the pandemic. How was that for you? Like Paris in general, like, would you recommend? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I have a unique Paris experience just because I took French in high school and I feel like, going to Paris has always been something that's on my bucket that was on my bucket list just like having taken French in high school especially because 
I think uh, stereotypically or traditionally, a lot of people just take Spanish in high school, especially in like Southern California. And so when I decided to take French, people were like, oh, like, that's not practical. What are you going to do with that? It's like, I just, I just want to learn French. Like, why not? Why not? Like, what's what's wrong with choosing a different language to learn? Like, we have the class. Um, but yeah, Paris was, it was an amazing experience. I took three years of French in high school. I was surprised how much French I was able to retain, too. Like, I definitely did a little Duolingo brush up before we went, but uh, just going to Paris, speaking French to the locals, a lot of them thought I was, like, French or lived in Paris, so that was really cool. Like, I was like, oh, like, I, I really got my little uh, accents and just the... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking a language how it should be, but uh, Paris is beautiful. I think some of the things that I appreciate the most, one, uh, just being around architecture and buildings that have been around for hundreds of years. I think it really frames just how young we are as a country here in America and just how young a lot of these buildings are. Like uh, just going to like Notre Dame and seeing like, obviously it was after like the fires and whatnot. So it was under renovation, but uh, seeing those old buildings, uh, seeing things that we talked about in French class, walking along the Champs-Élysées. Uh, we also went in December, so it was a holiday season, and there were lights everywhere, and the Christmas markets were out. Uh, we were drinking Vin Chaud, which is hot wine, for those who don't speak French. Um, phenomenal. Like, I never really thought of, like, hot wine, but they had it, like, in the colanders, and they would just give you a cup, and uh, in Paris, you can walk around and drink alcohol in the street. So we're just walking along the Christmas market, uh, drinking hot wine, uh, tried chestnuts roasting on an open fire for the first time ever, which is actually like little known fact. It's actually disgusting. <laughs> like, oh really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, how was that? <laughs> like, I feel like especially like folks who celebrate Christmas, like you, you hear the Christmas songs like, oh, chestnuts roasting on open fire. So when we pass by chestnuts roasting on open fire, like, oh, we have to try it. It was yeah. so nasty. Like, it just, <laughs> it just didn't hit how I wanted it to. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, Paris Paris was amazing. Got to see the Palace of Versailles. I uh, got to go on the Eiffel Tower. Just just an amazing experience. We were only there for five days, but man, did I make the most of those five days? Like oh, I'm five days. Wow, is that because I was like, oh, you're there for a couple of weeks based on all the things you did? <laughs> no, literally five days, and um, I'm the type of traveler who I. I do the research beforehand. I know what like the main places I want to hit. So I literally have a Google map of Paris with just labels of, okay, these are the tourist sites. These are the restaurants I want to check out. Uh, these are the art pieces I want to check out. And so I separate the map based off a of day. So all right, this day, we're going to, we're going to start at the Saint-Chapelle. We're going to go to the Musée d'Orsay. Then we're going to go to Eiffel Tower. Those are the three things that day, whatever else we accomplished, cool. And we just, we made it a mission. Like we got to the Louvre, like right when it opened, spent like four or five hours in the Louvre, then went to another museum, spent three or four hours. And then in the evening time, I did a dinner cruise on the river, like just really trying to make the most of the experience. So I love Paris. Uh, also, way more Black people than I expected. I was ask you. Yeah, I was like, wasn't, is there a lot of Black people there? Because that's what I hear in Paris, <laughs> at least some parts of France. Like, there's hella Black people, but. Yeah, uh, a lot of Nigerian folks, but also just a lot of, like, Black French people were there. It was, like, I told people when I first got back, I felt less, like, I feel like when you live in, like, Southern California, city, like, San Diego, like, it's easy to really feel black, like people looking at you because you're black. But when I was in Paris, I didn't really feel that black. Like, I just felt like, yeah, I'm just a black person here, which was cool. And then the last thing I'll say about Paris is that I feel like the notion that the French are like super rude is not true. Um, obviously, okay. like there's rude people everywhere. Like there's rude Americans, like everybody's rude. Yeah. But 
what at least my hypothesis of it is if you're a loud obnoxious american and you're just like no type of respect for the culture and because the the europeans the french they're really laid back like they take a couple hours off in the middle of the day and just like people watch at the cafe and it's really quiet they're like if you're american you're like just yelling and just being loud walking streets like yeah people are gonna be rude because like you're being annoying like i would probably be rude to you too yeah exactly but uh they were really nice like at the christmas markets uh just talking to people and like trying like when you try to speak the language and try to respect the culture like people were giving discounts just because we were american it it was really nice I, i really enjoyed my time and can't wait to go back honestly that's awesome. So now I know if I ever want to go to Paris, I'm going to hit you up for that map because. Oh, yeah, I have the link. So <laughs> I don't have to do any work. No, I'm just kidding. But I will hit you up, though, for the map. Cause... Oh, no, absolutely. Why Why reinvent the wheel? And I think, yeah, I think sharing travel stories is so impactful because I think obviously people know, oh, I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to see the Eiffel Tower. But right. for someone who took like three years of French and had a really amazing French teacher in high school, we really dove really deep into the culture, uh, etiquette in French, like even in France, like even just how, like one thing about uh, eating in Paris, if you leave food, if you finish your plate of food, they think that they didn't do like a satisfactory job for you because you weren't satisfied, like you're still hungry at the end, you ate everything on your plate. So it can be kind of rude to finish everything on your plate. Uh, they don't do like to-go bags or doggy bags or anything because same thing, like you're supposed to sit here for this experience you're supposed to set out this amount of time for this so just having all that background and then also being able to do so much research on different places to go there's a lot of stuff on that map where it's like yeah you probably if you look on the top 10 things to do in Paris you're probably not going to see some of this but it was a really cool experience so uh yeah for you or any listeners who plan on going to Paris hit me up for that map might charge the listeners but Irene you can get it for free (laughs) seriously that's really cool I also took French actually in high school three years as well so and like what you said, I mean, I've, I haven't been in France, so, yeah. but we did learn about like the culture, like all the different parts of France. And I was like, if I ever go, like, I'd love to just go and experience that. Cause I think a lot of the times we think of France, we're like Eiffel Tower and then, okay. But then after that, what do you do, <laughs> you know, and like get a baguette, like, okay, but what else? Like, there's so many things to do. So I think that French, honestly, I loved it. And also my family too like they speak French too on like where in Congo so when I so now if I communicate with them I usually try to communicate in my broken French like it's not fluent at all but you know it's something to get me by and I do agree with you I feel like the language does kind of come out when you're forced in those situations because even when I went to Togo it's a French-speaking country so me and like my three other friends they're Ghanaian but they were taking French um classes or whatnot so together we were fluent in French so I was like I got you all so we're like leading the other study abroad kids who you know they didn't know any French or they made it to Spanish or whatnot so it was helpful in those circumstances so I feel like there's always a use for it I think you know we do knock the other languages and Spanish is super valuable like I do want to know more, especially like going into healthcare and working in this area. Or if I go back to San Diego, there's a lot of Spanish speakers. Um, but it's also nice to know that I have another language in my, you know, my toolkit if I ever need to use it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so listeners for the rest of this podcast, uh, new, <laughs> new pouvons parler en français. So, oh, go ahead and get that uh, translation app out. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but one more hobby that I wanted to talk about or a passion of yours is skin and hair care. 
<laughs> just seeing you glow up when you even bring up skin and health and hair care. So uh, what makes you so interested in taking care of your skin and developing like your own products for skin and hair? Yeah. Okay. So in college, I had horrible skin. Like I was breaking out. And I feel like a lot of us, you know, we went through skin problems. It might not be acne, maybe it's discoloration, whatnot. Um, so I don't know what was going on with my face for the first two years. It was really bad. And honestly, it really did impact my self-esteem. Um, so I was doing all the wrong products and everything that I kind of learned and that I tried to change that up. And I think like, you know, college is stressful. I think it was just like the access of food that we had was not good for our for our skin or our bodies. And then also just staying up, not getting sleep, not exercising, like all the bad habits, I think kind of just like, you know, exacerbated my skin issues. So when I was in college, I actually started using shea butter in college. One of my friends put me on and also put me on to black um, African black soap too. And at first I used it and I was like, this is so drying for my face. Like I cannot, but then I was like, I'm desperate. I don't care if it's drying. I just got to moisturize as well. So I started using that and actually helped a lot, especially with like my skin discoloration that I had. So then shea butter, um, I know like in like the BRC, we had some events. Sometimes we would like make, I think somebody was interested in like making kind of like a body butter. Um, so that was like some of the exposure that I got there. And then also in Ghana, like shea butter is easily accessible and everybody's glowing. So I was like, I need to get onto shea butter, <laughs> you know? So I feel like sometimes they tell us like, you know, just American media, they're like, oh, don't use that because it's not, it's not Western, you know, mm -hmm. and like, well, you know, it works for other people. So it could work for me too. So I think it's just a balance of like figure out your skin. So I got into shea butter, like kind of through that exposure. Um, and it really did help my skin. Like now, I mean, now it's much better, <laughs> but I had like another like skin issue during the pandemic because of mask me and stuff. And I was going through it. So that's when I was like, I need to make my own things because I don't trust all these things. So I started making whipped shea butter and I just put, I just did a lot of research on like, um, you know, good oils and herbs to put inside things that can just help your skin, support it, heal your skin. So I use my whipped shea butter. I was actually selling it. This is another thing I've kind of stopped, which is so sad, but I will get back to it. And I don't have an official name for it yet, but it's going to be run, run something. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so during like the pandemic time, like I just started like working with different formulas and all of that. I started making shea butter and then I would just sell it to people. So people, literally people from all walks of life were buying it. People I haven't talked to in years were like, oh, I'm interested in your shea butter. And it was so cool to like see the support. I was like, oh my gosh, I can make so much money from this. Cause you know, it's very time consuming. Cause you, you know, I want to make sure like it's a quality product and I don't want to just do it and just give it to people. Right. You know, and even the pricing at first, I was like a little nervous because I had like a two ounce bottle, like a four ounce and some the two ounces, I think was like $10. And then the four ounce was like 15. And I was like, oh, this is this is too much. But then I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, I could have just upped the prices because, you know, I'm using my own money and I'm using my own time and energy to make this stuff. And these are really good products for your skin and your hair. Um, so I want to make sure I'm being also compensated for my time. So I really started doing that and it was, I had a good run for like almost a year and then I stopped obviously when I came to grad school, but I do still make it. I don't sell it anymore. Um, at least not now, like not mm -hmm. currently. 
but I do make it for like my family and also for myself and I give it as like little gifts here and there too so I got into it just because you know I just wanted to elevate myself and really kind of heal my skin and it's been super helpful especially for my my face my body my hair too um and I just love shea butter I love how it smells I love how it feels and it just reminds me too of when I was in Ghana just like it like melts onto your skin and I smell so good. I was like, this is amazing. So yeah, so I hope to go back into it and start selling it. And, you know, I had positive reviews. So I just want to keep making it impact. But yeah, but it just stopped right now. But it's not it's not stopping forever. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a right now thing. Um, And I'll just add that to the list of manifestations that we're going to get that back going. Uh, I know that my granny is the person who put me on to shea butter. Like ever since I was young, I remember she'd always tell me to like put shea butter on and like, just it's good for skin. So I've been probably not consistently, of course, but as early as I can remember, like shea butter has been on my skin and she does listen to this podcast. So I'm going to let you know right now, uh, there will probably be a comment on YouTube asking where she can buy it. So uh, you yes. might, <laughs> you, you might be starting back sooner than you anticipate. Right. I was like, I need to make sure she gets it. Okay. Especially if she's asking for it. I got to please the customer. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but I want to go ahead and transition and talk about uh, the main thing that brought us here today, the main course, if you will, of the Banquet Hall, uh, Ren Ren Speaks. So you are the first blogger to make an appearance on the Banquet Hall podcast, uh, <laughs> Ren Ren Speaks. Uh, you had your first post December 30th, 2020. Uh, so almost three years now, you've been an official blogger. So uh, why don't why don't we just start with why why did you start blogging? Like why blogging? Yeah. Okay. So I've always loved to write. Like you asked my family, like I was in first grade, second grade writing like books, like little books and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know like how your school was in elementary, but I remember um, like we would have like different reading shelves and then they would have like a sticker of like the reading level that mm -hmm. it was. So I would write books and I would illustrate it. I had a little friend who would like help me like illustrate and stuff. And then we'd write like author, our names, illustrator, our names. And then we would put like a little circle and try to match the reading level too, even though like, I don't know if it's the same. Um, but from then, like I always loved writing and I had a journal. So I would journal all the time when I was like fifth grade, sixth grade. And I would even write stories. So I had like a whole booklet of just different types of stories so I was just inspired by like all the creative um, outlets that I've just kind of seen and making my own. Like I wrote about this girl from like the future 5000 or whatever the heck. And she was a hologram and like met a friend and she went back in time. Um, so I tried to find that so I could like just, I don't know, type it up and have it as like a memory or something. Um, so I've always loved writing. So I feel like with this blog, um, I just I felt like I had a lot of things to say. I just didn't know like the outlet of what I wanted to do. And I actually think I started a Twitter thread like way back. I was like, y'all, like, do you think that I should do a blog or a podcast? And I think podcast actually won, but I was like, mm, I'm gonna do a blog because I don't know the equipment, like I don't have a microphone, I'm not really a big tech person. So a blog though, I know that I am a good writer and I can write. So um, so that's I started the blog really just to kind of like have an archive of just like my life's reflections, my thoughts, my ref like just everything that's going on in my life and record that. And it just helps like, send good vibes. Like I feel like I'm a pretty positive person and I try to like send good vibes and stuff. But 
I really wanted to like reflect on my grad school career and journey. So I think a lot of my blog is kind of my woes and also just like my triumphs in grad school. But I also have some pieces, you know, um, like the different series that we'll get into um, a piece about me being Congolese American. What does that look like? Even, um, you know, being debt free, which I was at the time, but now I'm not. So, <laughs> but I even have a piece about that. So just all the things that I've been through and just kind of giving like words of wisdom and encouragement. So I started it. Yeah, I went to start it 2021. But then it was like two days before the end of the year. I was like, let me just go for it. You know, I, I what am I waiting for? So, um, so shout out to WordPress because that's what I have my blog under. And I have a personal plan right now, but I hope to upgrade it to a business plan once I have more money so I can really make it my own in terms of like the format and the templates and stuff. Um, but it's been really fun. And I did fall off a little bit, but I'm trying to get back into it now. So I feel like I've been doing good, like, posting frequently enough that you know the blog still exists um and branching out onto even like having it on Instagram but that's kind of like the reason why I started it because I like to write and I just want to kind of give a voice to other people and also like elevate different stories through my blog yeah elevating stories I think that's that's the mission just storytelling is such a powerful tool and uh, and preparing for this podcast and reading through some of your blog posts and obviously like having read some of them prior I uh, I think your talent as a writer definitely stands out like I feel like I'm there with you in the moment like I feel like there's some blogs that I've read just over time like literally back even to like Tumblr days where people were like oh. blogging on Tumblr and whatnot Love um, Tumblr. <laughs> but I think that some people when they think of blog they just like they just start writing and not really having like a clear end goal or a clear story to tell or the writing may be inconsistent but I really feel like with your blogs like I'm there for you in the moment and I definitely could I will say I could see it being a podcast like I definitely oh. think that uh, <laughs> podcasting is something that you would be very talented in just because the way that you tell stories in blog form like I'm there with you like I feel like I'm in that moment I feel like we're around a campfire or something and you're just like telling us a story so uh, oh. definitely definitely appreciate the the blogs I also had a question about just how'd you come up with the name Ren Ren Speaks Yes. So shout out to my sister, Kogo. She told me to shout you or to shout her out. So I am doing it right now. But. <laughs> <laughs> so my name, so my name is Irene, but also at home, they call me Irene. So um, that's like the name that I go by, like in just different spaces. So for short, she was like, oh, Ren Ren, like, how are you doing? And she would call me that. And I was like, Ren Ren's kind of a cute, catchy name. So I like changed it on Twitter, like my handle and stuff at one point and then I was like ooh, like for my blog I can kind of do like a wordplay so I was like what am I gonna call it you know because it's a blog and I'm going to speak to people but I wanted it to be catchy enough um but also like represent who I am so I was like Ren Ren so have that and then speaks because I am speaking through you know written form so I put those together Ren Ren speaks and I was like this is like the coolest idea I've ever had in my life mm. <laughs> so shout out to Kogo for Ren Ren's and then the speaks part I put together so that's kind of how I came up with the name um, so now I feel like I need to kind of brand with other things that I do because mm. it's it's all like tied back to me um, I don't know what it'd be yet with my photography. I was trying to like figure out that or just like my shea butter and stuff, but my blog name, very happy with it. So I don't think it's going to go anywhere, the name. Yeah, I love it. And I also really appreciate that it's Ren Ren Speaks, not Ren Ren Writes, because yes. I think that 
just even you saying like you're speaking in a written form i think that's something that could potentially go over people's heads because it's like when people think of writing they associate with reading and silence usually but uh with a blog you really have a voice you have a audience in mind you're talking to us so i definitely think that is a fantastic name for your blog you thank you so much yeah and my listeners or not listeners but my readers or you know people who just hear it through written form they're called run run speakers so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> run run speakers um mm-hmm. what have you learned about yourself through blogging i know i feel like it's just been such a nice reflective form um i've learned a lot you know i feel like i've learned that i actually can impact people and I feel like not even to toot my own horn, honestly, but like people have told me that they're like, oh my gosh, like you're such an inspiration. You're this, you're this, you're this. And I'm like, yeah, 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 like whatever. But like, it's hard to believe it for yourself, you know? So just, I think as we're naturally hard on ourselves and we're our biggest critics, but I feel like through my blog, I've learned that I can inspire one person. So even with like some of the posts, like when I was debt free at one point, like I had some comment, it was such such a nice comment. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. I don't even know who you are. Or when I talked about being Congolese American, somebody messaged me who I think they were um, Ghanaian American too. So like they talked about their similar struggles and not fitting into either culture. Um, And I was, and it just felt so affirming that I'm not the only one experiencing this dichotomy of like, who am I kind of thing, but like somebody else can experience it and I might not even know who they are but I'm able to like inspire somebody with my words that I'm speaking to them. So I just feel like I have learned about myself that I do have a voice, that I am powerful and that I really can make an impact. Even if it's two people reading my blog, like it doesn't matter. For me, I'm not really about the numbers. I'm just like the quality of my writing. I want it to get out there and I really want somebody to just read it and resonate with it. And we can have a dialogue with that, um, you know, in different forms. So it's been really cool to kind of see it like fresh. And actually I have looked back to, um, you know, my blog, like from when I first started grad school to now. And I'm like, wow, I cannot believe like the growth that I've done. And I know I'm not done growing. Like there's still a lot that I have to do to, you know, better myself and stuff. But I am proud of like all of the work that I have put in to my blog because it's also a reflection on my life reflections. And that's what I put like in my motto in my blog. So yeah, I think that that's so wonderful. Um, we alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, you have a mini series that you did through your blog called Black is Beautiful. Uh, highly encourage listeners to uh, go to renrenspeaks.com and check out all of the reflections, of course, but definitely uh, the Black is Beautiful mini series. Uh, two of the people that you had in that series have been guests on the banquet hall, uh, Victoria, as well as the hyphy doc himself, Cameron. Uh, Cambria is going to be a future guest of the pod. We're going to figure that out. Uh, so it's just cool seeing you highlight like some of the same people that I've been able to highlight on the podcast. Uh, but why don't you talk a little bit about what was the inspiration behind the Black is Beautiful miniseries and just what that meant for you to do? Yeah, so I think it was like, so I've done it two years in a row. So, you know, it'll be coming next year or whatnot. But the first time I did it, I was just thinking about Black History Month. And I was like, what am I going to do for Black History Month? Like, at this time, I was kind of running out of ideas for my blog. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I know I'm going through midterms. I don't think people really care I'm going through midterms. <laughs> so I was like, how can I kind of spin this in a way that is still holistic of who I am? Because I'm not just a grad student. Like, I have other interests and other intersections of identities that I want to kind of highlight. So 
I thought about like how to be creative for Black History Month. And at first I just wanted to talk about myself and how I am as like a Black person, like in healthcare or whatnot. But then I was like, uh, actually, I think I'm going to elevate like different people who I really resonate with, who inspire me. Um, and I just want to highlight their stories because I think Run Run Speaks is a cool platform to, not, it's not only for me, but you know, other people can speak to others through the words that I write about them. So I kind of, so I started the first, the first series was just people who honestly, from all walks of life, I've met like college, when I like people I've known when I was really, really young, um, people I've met, you know, kind of starting off with like grad school, mentors, things like that. And it was just super cool to interview some of the people that you even mentioned as well, because they're all so inspiring to me. And I'm just like, wow, like I would have never even known who you were if I didn't go to UCSD, for example, or if, you know, my parents weren't friends with their parents kind of thing. So I really just wanted to use this as a platform to elevate Black voices because, you know, we are silenced all the time and people don't take us seriously. And I was like, we have, we're so beautiful and mm -hmm. like so diverse and there's so much that we are that I think the media and just society tells us that we're only this, but we're creatives. We are healthcare workers. We're out here writing novels, writing books, like producing content that is just so powerful so I just really wanted to highlight those voices like in in my, you know, my blog, but like in Black is Beautiful because it is beautiful and beauty looks like a lot of different things for different people. So I just, I it was really cool because it challenged me every week to be consistent with my blog. So every week I was interviewing somebody different and, um, you know, we did kind of like an email interview. So I would send them questions and they would respond and I would just ask them a little bit more if there's any follow-up needed, but it was a way for me to like connect with people I haven't connected with in a really long time. But I'm like, I see you on social media, like you're making a difference and I appreciate you. And I want people to know who you are. So through that, like, it just felt so, it, like, it made my heart warm, like all these stories that I was able to read and like the journeys that they've been through. Cause I'm like, dang, like you're just a phenomenal person. And yeah. like, I remember you were struggling at this point and look at you now. So that was like the first part. And then the second time I did it was healthcare workers. Cause you know, I'm in healthcare. So, but I was like, I want to talk about other healthcare workers too. And, you know, I went to school with some amazing black healthcare workers who are currently in school, graduated or who are in the field. So it was super cool to, you know, interview Cam, both Cams and then Vicky and like some other students. Like I even interviewed one of my fave OTs, like, and she is like a social media influencer. And again, like I've never met her in person, but she was so willing to like be part of my um, my blog. And it's just cool because I've had that connection now with her and just to kind of see her story and how she became an OT. And she's a black OT out here, like making an active difference. I was like, these are the stories I want to highlight and elevate because we are so many things. And that's again, just emphasizes and exemplifies that black is beautiful because we can be this, 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 and this. And we can have our cool interests, our quirks and all of that. And it still makes us who we are today. So that's like the inspiration um, behind the series. So I don't know like how I'll theme it for next year and y'all will find out. So you better subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really fun. And it just was like one of my favorite series that I ever did on the blog. So mm -hmm. yeah. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And we were talking before we started recording uh, just about kind of the synergy between why you had that Black is Beautiful miniseries 
as well as kind of the Bankwell Hall podcast and some of the impetus behind getting this podcast launched. Um, I think this is like interview number 29 and 26 of the 29 have been Black folks uh, just really highlighting just our stories because uh, we have to tell our own stories, but we also have to amplify each other's stories. And I love what you said about like seeing what your friends and people that you care about have gone through. I think that one of the main things that I've talked both online and offline with my guests about is that like, yeah, this is my way of just kind of letting my friends know like, yeah, I see you. Like I remember those days when we were in six college at the residence halls and where it's like, yeah, like I don't think I could do this or I don't know if I'll be able to do this. And now you did. And now mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, let's tell that story because uh, one of the, at least right now, the kind of tagline for the banquet hall is uh, telling tomorrow's stories today because yeah, 20 years from now when uh, Dr. Cambria Anderson is like at her dental office and doing her thing, it's like, nah, like we can start telling that story today. Like, right. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. I love that. And that's exactly like, I feel like, you know, your podcast and then my blog, we have like that synergy, similar kind of outlooks on just elevating those stories that I feel like you know, maybe they're not being elevated as much or appreciated because we all went through our own unique challenges. But I feel like being able to reflect through that and then kind of see how we've grown and how we can continue to grow and then inspire people going through very similar challenges. So hopefully, like, you know, when I did like the healthcare edition. So if there's any Black people in public health who are interested in pursuing public health, now they have a connection because, you know, Vicky's out here doing the thing and she is, you know, able to just inspire other people or, you know, the other people I've just interviewed, like y'all can connect. And if you have those similar um, interests or experiences, then that's how you just kind of build your community from that too. So, so yeah, just trying to build community out here, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, final question about the blog is just where can people find it and how can people support it? Yes. Okay. So renrenspeaks.com is what the website is called. And then you can find it on my Instagram. So there is an actual Run Run Speaks Instagram. So just write that. Or if you're already friends with me on Instagram, like you can click on my, it's in my bio. So it's on the app. So it's right there. Um, and then just supporting it by subscribing. So click on, you know, the link and then it'll take you to the website. If you scroll down a little bit, there's a place that's asked if you want to become a run run speaker and then put your email, click on it, and then you're subscribed. So if you're subscribed, then you'll get the notifications when I do post. Um, so yeah, and just share it too. Like whenever I post and if, if it resonates with you, you can share it on your social media or you could just send the link to somebody be like, you should read this. Um, so yeah, just support me. I have, I think, 72 followers on Instagram, so 100 would be nice <laughs> just to make triple digits. But, you know, it's okay. It's not all about the numbers, but that exposure is nice, too. So that's how you can support me. Hey, I'm action-oriented. We, we're going to get you to 100 followers. So <laughs> I think right now the Banquet Hall has, like, 49 subscribers on YouTube and maybe, like, 45 followers on Spotify. So I'm asking 28 of y'all to right now pause the podcast <laughs> or i mean you can multitask if you want uh but right. go on ig at ren ren speaks hit that follow button uh check out the blog and we're gonna get you to 100 as soon as this episode drops that's that's my goal amen yes okay triple digits all right <laughs> um rounding out the podcast just got a couple of quick hitters that uh whatever first comes to mind for you uh first of all who are some people who inspire or influence you 
I feel like I'm inspired by so many people, but I'm gonna shout out my family, honestly, especially my parents, like their migration stories are so unique, so crazy, especially my dad's and I'm like, you're such an amazing man. So I'm gonna shout them out because they really do inspire me to be who I am today. Um, and they continue to just support me. So I am super appreciative of them. And then also just like all the people I've met, like in my walks of life, like so from childhood, especially UCSC, like I met so many amazing individuals. Like I feel like if anything, UCSC was a great networking opportunity because mm-hmm. I, I'm still talking to you today, you know, and it's been, I don't even know how many years since I last saw you. So it's been super cool that we've been able to like reconnect on this um, podcast. So I'm just inspired by the people who motivate me to be who I am today. And also just the people who are doing creative things and they're doing what makes them happy, what they love, being so carefree. Um, and yeah, just inspired by like people in my grad program too, who are like actually, you know, passionate about OT, like making a difference that like align with kind of what I want to do as an OT as well. Um, so yeah, so those are some of my inspirations, just the people in my community and my friends, the different spaces that I navigate and that I move through. Absolutely. Um, next up is our shameless plug and manifestation corner. I already wrote down two things we're manifesting, and that's the return of the shea butter and the return of the photography. But is there anything else you want to shamelessly plug or manifest on this podcast? I'm manifesting. I'll be a doctor tw- uh, June 2024 because <laughs> I am tired. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but I am manifesting that I will graduate. I will be successful. I will pass my exam when the time gets there. I have 10 more months of school left. So I'm very excited about that. And it's crazy to say that because I feel like I've been talking about getting into school forever. So I'm manifesting that I'm going to, you know, make an impact and I'm really going to, um, you know, use my career for, to be a light to other people. Um, So yeah, that's my manifestation. (laughs) Shameless plugs. I'm not really doing anything too crazy, but Follow me again on Ren Ren Speaks or my personal Instagram, or you could Venmo me money for paying my debt. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, hey, debt is important to take care of. Y'all can Venmo either of us if you want to. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, uh, takeaways from this episode. I'd like you to say things that you're taking away from this episode, as well as what you hope our listeners are taking away. It's mm, a good question. I think what I'm taking away from this episode is, you know, just to be con- like continue to be like an inspiration and to really listen to the words that I just said, like for an hour, you know, because I feel like <laughs> it's easy for me to be like, you got this, you can do this, I can do this. But then I know that I still struggle to this day with actually like taking my own advice and implementing it because it's easier said than done. So I think that for me, like, I really want to be able to implement this. And also for the listeners too, like, really follow your dreams, like, do what you want to do. And don't like have anybody limit you to a box. Like, if you want to do this while doing this, like, go for it. Because it is really hard to just like, be passionate about the things that, you know, you were once passionate about if you're going through a specific chapter of life, that's really hard. Um, which you know grad school is the chapter of my life that's hard for me right now but um, like just again just continue to motivate and like just be intentional with all of that I do but like really listen to like the words on my blog that I'm saying that I'm trying to speak to people I think I want listeners to take that away like do that and also for me I need to do that as well 
So that's what I would say. Amazing. Well, Irene, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. This has been a blast. And I know that our listeners are going to take away so much from your story and the stories that you will continue to tell. Uh, listeners, thank you all for sticking with us for this episode. Uh, make sure y'all check out Ren Ren Speaks on Instagram, on the website, renrenspeaks.com. Uh, make sure you follow the Banquet Hall podcast on IG at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like, do all the things that you know that we're going to ask you to do. I feel like we just live in an age where like, yes, every YouTube video ends with a plug to subscribe and like, if y'all just, y'all could just do it, please. Thank yeah, you. Know. <laughs> and all that. Um, but Irene, any last words before you close out the episode? Thank you, honestly, just for interviewing me. This is so fun. It was very refreshing. It was a good study break, I will say. But <laughs> I do feel like re-inspired, honestly. Like, I feel like, mm. you know, especially being in grad school for so for such a while where, like, I'm constantly on go, go, go. I think I, for some time, I kind of lost sight of, like, what am I doing, you know? Mm. Like, what, like, what kind of OT I want to be. But I feel like just kind of retelling my story and also just like the things that I've been doing up until this point, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm actually kind of iconic. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know what, I can do this, you know? So it's been like a nice um, way to re-inspire me too. So thank you for this. Cause I think sometimes it's nice to just like talk it out with somebody. Hey, affirmation received. Uh, you were definitely iconic and uh, <laughs> very much looking forward to people seeing just what icon you are. Looking forward to the blog post when you talk about this episode of the Banquet Hall as oh, it's well. <laughs> it is coming. I was going to ask you. Like, I mean, I was going to go for it, but let's just ask as a case. So. Oh, no. Nah, absolutely go for it. Uh, thank you once again, and we'll catch y'all next episode. Thank you. Bye.